G'day sports fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Coming at ya on another Tuesday Arvo, joined by my great co-host J-Lo. Plenty of footy on the agenda for a change. Uh, we discuss the rising star race, John Newcomb and his recent form has pushed him to the top of the leaderboard in a lot of people's eyes. We talk about some of the contenders in that. Dissect a little bit of fantasy stuff as well. It wouldn't be a sportsby pod without some trades or something going down. So JLo and I discuss how we're looking and how we're lined up with two trades left before the daunting buy rounds. We touch on the Swans and Tigers matchup coming up. Hawks and Suns, that'll be another entertaining one in round 11. And then we unpacked each of the conference finals in the NBA. Boston obviously taking, uh, evening things up, not taking any lead actually in game four after blowing out Miami and Golden State. They're the ones that are taking the lead. They're 3-0 up on Dallas and it does not look like anything's going to stop them on their quest for another chip. And then we finish with another fantastic Mount Rushmore draft. Probably the closest one I reckon that we've had so far. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Another Tuesday Sports by Fry session joined by some elite company to uh, enhance the Sports by Fry podcast. How the bloody hell are you as we near the end of May? JLo? Very well, mate. Very well. Uh, yeah, just generally good. That's, that's just all Just generally say. well. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, that's it. That'll do. Uh, do you want to give the people the GSFL update or should I just quickly bring them up to speed? Yeah, go on. Just bring them up to speed, mate. Uh, quick. 90-point loss. Uh, percentage now sits at 70-something, but we're three and two. Moving on. We're three and two. Moving on. Yeah. So uh, we're three and two. The bodies are still in good nick. Uh, it's actually a pretty good round in the AFL footy. GSFL footy can take a bit of a backseat. I think the AFL is a bit more uh, important in the eyes of sportsby fans. Pretty interesting results. We saw uh, the likes of Carlton cement themselves in the top four. Richmond moved into the uh, top eight as well. And I want to look ahead to next round, touch on a couple of footy things first. Uh, we've obviously got the Tigers versus the Swans on Friday night. Pretty interesting game. The Swans have lost a bit of mojo. They've only got one win from their last month of footy. Uh, they really need to snag this one. And the Tigers, the bounce back, on the other hand, they've won four straight. I know that you're a big Tiggies fan uh, when it comes to the potential of matching up with the Swans, but give me a pick for Friday night and what you're going to be looking for between the Swans and the Tigers. I think I'm just going to be looking to see if the the Tigers can continue the, what they've been doing. Like obviously getting Dusty back has been huge. Massive. Minchie's been great. Um, you know, are they back to their sort of world beating system or, you know, have they just been beating up on some, Oh, they've been beating some solid teams, but this would be a good test. And uh, I guess on the other side of the ledger, I'll be looking for whatever everyone else sees in the Swans that I just am yet to see and I don't understand. So really not in on a day. No, I just well, I mean, I just don't get it. I, like they they've got a young midfield. Buddy's old. Like um, McDonald's look, he looked good last week. I thought, or maybe it was mm-hmm. the week before. It's all a bit of a blur at this point. But, you know, Jakey Lloyd's lost it a bit. Um, I don't know. People thought McInerney was going to come on really strong and he's just been okay. Yeah. I just am not sure why everyone had them as a top four threat. Um, 
personally. That's my thing. I, I don't know. I was uh, driving that bandwagon. I was big on the fact that I think Sydney are going to maintain, what did I say, like a top of the fifth spot in the ladder mm. ballpark. But yeah, the alarm bells will be certainly ringing if they lose this game to the Tigers. These are the types of games, if you want to play finals and that's the reputation you want to hang your hat on, then you do well in. Big, big game for uh, Richmond as well. Obviously, like you said, they've had a couple of boys recently peaking in form. This might probably be the last dice roll for... I don't know, like eight to 10 of their like top end talent. There's talks of Dusty potentially leaving. Rewalt, he kicked four, but I think he's played like 320 games or something close to that. So yeah, the clock is certainly ticking for the Tigers. And I I think if they go ahead and they win this game, that'll probably be me jumping off the Cindy bandwagon. I'll be selling my stock. It'll, I'll probably sell it at a loss. But I think the reason that I believed in the Swans previously was mainly due to their past performances similar a bit i guess to geelong meaning the fact that they don't very often bounce out of that top eight calculation and if they do they usually springboard straight back up and they got a lot of young studs like i can't remember if it was the swans game last week we watched or the one before we were talking about how elite chad warner looks i love errol Goulden; he's great but you know they've been relying on the likes of josh kennedy and luke parker for and buddy for a long time and i think they're missing probably like middle tier of studs, like in the, around the Tom Papley era, uh, ball mark. Like, you know, he's not a, probably won't contend to be like an all Oz, but he's like a really handy depth piece, part of a good best 22. So yeah, I'll have a lot of eyes fixated on this uh, Tigers Swans matchup. What are your uh, thoughts on the dusty rumors? What do you, what would you do if you were Richmond and there's talk of dusty potentially leaving? Would you have, test the trade waters it seems like the swans and the giants apparently are two sides that are really keen on him but where do you stand what do you reckon dusty still has to offer the game oh he's still sort of a game-breaking player you know he still could win a match off his own boot um hasn't really shown it this year but he doesn't play so i would not i can't see a world where he leaves richmond it feels like that's his home and he seems like that sort of bloke who kind of needs to feel accepted and comfortable in a place. Um, you know, all this stuff's just happened in his personal life. It would baffle me if he left and I couldn't see the Tigers really wanting to let a champion of their club walk. So um, I would try and hold on to him if I was them and give him the, you know, whether or not that means sort of going downhill as a club a little bit, I think it's worth it when it comes to those champions of your, of your footy side, just giving them the right exit and the right send off. So I'd be trying to keep him as, as long as possible. I couldn't see it being a, a crazy expensive deal or anything that they would have to offer him. Like it would still be dusty Martin size, but it wouldn't be, it's probably not in the million dollar mark anymore. Um, nah, you wouldn't think so. so. Yeah. You wouldn't think so. So I, it would, I'd be so surprised to be left um, to be honest. I mean, where there's smoke, there's sometimes fire. There was talks of like Dimmer saying he has our blessing if he wants to leave. I mean, a lot of it's hearsay and there was talk of him obviously retiring no longer than a month ago. So take it all with a bit of grain of salt. But what if, uh, going to throw a couple of hypothetical trade offers at you. What if Sydney comes knocking and they say, right, we'll give you Ollie Florent and our future first round pick. So not the one that they'll get from this season, but the one following. Do you pull the trigger on that? Probably not. Mm. I don't know. 
It's a no. Probably, I would say no to that. What if they uh, threw in a second rounder as well? Um, I just think that the they would lose so much as a club, to be honest. From like a legacy and fanfare standpoint, you mean? Yeah, I mean, like no Richmond fans would be happy with that. I don't think. Um, I just I don't think it makes much sense. It's not going to move the dial really far one way or the other. And you know, we said this might be Richmond's last year, but they could stretch it out. And if Dusty's like Dusty needs to be there for them to contend, let's be honest. Yeah, you could see there's like a there's a world where I don't know Cochin. Rewalt, Grimes, Shane Edwards, like those eight or so players that I alluded to before, they're on their last potential legs. They might bounce and then three years from now, we might see like a bit of a bump up again. Like Tom Lynch isn't that old. Dusty's 30, so he could still potentially play at another flag at Richmond. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much uh, he's talked about over the offseason, if there is any truth to these rumours. There's been plenty of rumours surrounding the future of Tom Mitchell as well. I want to steer my attention to the Hawks and Suns because they're another two teams that clash. They're right next to each other on the ladder next week. Obviously, there's not too many people that are going to be lining up to check out the result of 12th versus 13th, but no one saw the Hawks pipping uh, the Bulldogs last week. Gold Coast got a pretty decent win over Fremantle as well. So Hawthorne versus Gold Coast. I feel like the Hawks have been one of the feel-good stories of the year. Granted, they're only, what, four and six, but I don't, I would think more people were picking them to win the spoon rather than contend for a spot in the eight. So who do you reckon takes out that uh, round 11 matchup? I think I've got a bit more faith in Gold Coast at this point. Mm, I think they're okay. top-end. Yeah, I think their top-end talent is a little bit better. Um I know you're right in on Sam Mitchell and what he's done around the club, but I feel like that's the sort of thing that doesn't bear fruit for a few seasons. Whereas I feel like Gold Coast have kind of been, I feel like Gold Coast are a few years ahead of where the uh, Hawks are right now in terms of that like culture building. Um, I just like the win they got against you boys um, and who'd they beat last week? It wasn't you boys, was it? That was two weeks ago. Nah. Last week, Gold Coast played Bulldogs and they went down by yeah. four or so goals, I think. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm going to go with the Gold Coast Suns, um, but that's probably because I want Tuke Miller to have a great game. So, I don't know. I just got it. I've got a bit more faith in those guys and seems like the, the Hawks are a little bit all over the place with their strategy. Like, you know, the whole Mitchell being rested and sort of not getting midfield snaps and then now he is and now Will Day is in there. I don't know. It just feels like they're throwing the magnets around a bit, which is, yeah, which is fine for this kind of time in their development. Um, Whereas I think the Suns will be a lot more settled and just understand their roles and probably get it done. Is that uh, TIO Stadium? Is that Darwin? Uh, Yeah, or yeah, maybe, or maybe in the middle of the, the map, Alice Springs uh, or something. Springs. Yeah. I can't forget. Yeah, they're all. I think, oh. I think I side with the Hawks. Gold Coast actually goes into the game favourites at the moment before teams and all that come out. But like you said, I think that Sam Mitchell's really galvanised that group at Hawthorne in the early portion that he's been there. But I'll be very intrigued to see how he uses Tom Mitchell and maybe Jago Mira as well in the second half of the season because. Plenty of talk about them 
shopping them last off season and Tom Mitchell, even though he scored really well from a fantasy perspective, he actually attended like a lower number of center bounces. Granted, I think that's because there was a shitload of goals kicked in that game, but yeah, I'll be very interested to see where Tom Mitchell uh, ends up. Do you reckon if you're, let's say you're Peter Bell running the Fremantle Dockers, you'd push hard to try and pry one of them away from Hawthorne? And if so, who do you reckon? You go Amira or Tom Mitchell? I'd be going hard at the Brownlow medalist. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's 28. Like it still fits your profile pretty well. Very much Probably so. moves you guys ahead a bit. Um, obviously, I think you should be focusing on key forwards, but um, if Tom Mitchell's, you know, out there for the right price, absolutely. Don't rate Jager that much, to be honest. He's never quite delivered on the promise that he had as the round uh, first number one pick. So yeah, fair. Um, Mitchell, Mitchell unequivocally for me. Fremantle comes Colin Hawthorne then, and they say, right, for it, let's paint a hypothetical. They finish, because I'm in a good mood, they finish eighth this year. So that means that they get, what will that be like? Pick 10, 11, 12-ish around that mark. Frio says, right, we'll give you straight swap. Tom Mitchell for pick 12, let's call it. Bloody oath. Yeah. That's a great swap. Yeah. yeah. You get a Brownlow medalist. There's a lot of, oh, from a Hawthorne perspective, would you try and get more, do you reckon? Or you settle for a top 15-ish pick? Yeah, I'd expect them to ask for a bit more than that. Because there's be a lot honest. of talk. There's talk about, I mean, when I say a lot of talk, <laughs> I read a bit of Twitter and there's some people suggesting that the slump of form that he's had and him not being used in the midfield might lead Tom Mitchell to be like a, a less appealing trade target or for clubs to yeah. try and lowball Hawthorne. So... Yeah, I don't know if the Hawks are at the point where they're like, you know what, if we can get a, a top 20 pick, we get a future first or something, we'll pull the trigger and just pocket that draft uh, capital. Or if they're like, nah, let's try and see what we can get a bit more. But I think regardless of if he's traded in the offseason, there'll be a lot of uh, fantasy coaches that are going to be trading Tom Mitchell into their sides this week. So talked a bit of footy stuff. It's kind of, you know, we're getting ready for the buys. There's... There's no Thursday night footy. It's been going for a couple of months now. I don't want to say we're in a lull because I'm glad there's footy on, but, you know, Fremantle have come back down to earth. It's time to focus on some fantasy stuff because we have two very important trades ahead before three very important weekends of footy. Uh, the large fries and Coke going all right. We've continued to move up. I think I've, the last month I've roughly moved up a couple of hundred spots each week, nearly inside the top two and a half. Uh, and as I previously just stated, so a lot of eyes at large for Eisen Coke HQ on Tom Mitchell ahead of this round. How are the uh, Quisplorkin boys traveling with the buys on the horizon? Yeah, need to get a couple more 14s in. Obviously, feel I feel like I'm in a good position um, mm -hmm. with the three trades and then this week's trades. Tom Mitchell is high on the list, although I am just, I feel like I just want to wait one more week with Mitchell, um, I just don't know. I don't. If you if you look at his scores though, other than the fifty or whatever he had, he's been pretty solid. Like he's, been he's not fine. the world. Yeah, yeah, he's not the world beating Tom Mitchell that we know and love. But he's still, you, you know, he's given you nineties most weeks. So with that in mind, I, I might go and pull the trigger. But um, I am thinking maybe one more week on Tommy Mitchell just to check out his CBAs and, and things like that. I don't blame you, especially uh, 
with the daunting matchup with the Gold Coast Suns. He's actually still averaging 95 on the year, which if you started with him, you wouldn't be happy with. He's lost nearly 175K from his starting price. But big mm. reason that I'm looking at pouncing on the fella this week, he's only had one score over 110 all year, and that happened on the weekend. But his average against the Gold Coast Suns, I mean, these are inflated because you go through and look at it against everyone, and it's mm. about the same. But he averages 123 Interestingly, never played at TI Stadium before. Mm. But after that game, he goes up against the Pies, who are by far the team he scores the most against, and he averages 116 at the G as well. So obviously he's not in the same vein of form that he has been in the past in his career, but I think what we saw on the weekend was him start to flip the switch a little bit. His break-even is, I think, 109. So he only has to get you know, a relatively solid score well, depends on who you're talking about, but from a Tom Mitchell perspective to maintain in value. So I don't blame you for waiting a week, but I think I'm think I'm going to jump on. I'm, th- I'm actually thinking I'm more likely to go the Caleb Sarong route. Ooh. If I'm being honest. So, yeah. so that's yeah. an interesting one because I, I, I toyed with the idea of starting with Sarong. Uh, obviously didn't. And then he, I think he crapped the bed early. Like he was putting up some 40s and 50s. A couple of 60s, yeah. Yeah, a pair of 60s. Injured. And yeah, had a little bit of a... Uh, was that a COVID out? No, I can't remember. What Might have been. I can't quite remember. Regardless, missed a pair of games. But yeah, the last month or so, a couple of weeks of footy against um, some solid opposition as well. They haven't been... They played North, but you know he's gone over 110 in each of his last three. Only saves you about 30K difference from Tom Mitchell, which kind of uh, identifies where both of those blokes are at this point in the season. Uh, if you're not, so you said you need a 14er in the midfield. Oh, just a 14er anywhere. Um, okay. be good to get rid of Nick um, Martin's round 12 as well. So I'm thinking 14 in the guts, but could swing him anywhere. Dan Rich is on my, on my uh, radar. Um, Don't know that. A oh, couple of other crew, a couple of other crew. I'd, I'd have to look through it. But yeah, they're they're sort of the the routes I'm looking at. I could also spend up and maybe grab. I don't have Sicily yet, um, so maybe him. Yeah. Other than that, in around that mark, there's not many fourteeners. So Jared Lyons had a good game. I don't know. There's there's a lot I can do with this with this money. The reason I like Sarong is he's got a break even of fifty nine. You know, so even he's going up against the D's, but he's tackling out the ass at the moment and i feel like yeah if there's a team that might continue against it's probably the d's who will have the footy in their hands a lot so yeah very seriously considering old caleb sarong just as a real you know player of difference only five percent owned um but mitchell is potentially a top he's potentially the best fantasy player in in the world when he's on so there's a few other uh midfielders that are in the trade target sphere for coaches this week. Uh, Marcus Montempelli, who seems, I don't want to say certain, but seems poised to add forward status after this weekend's game. I think someone said he needs to spend like 16% of the game forward. So basically if he runs inside 50 or starts there for a few bounces, you should be safe. So he's another appealing target about 8K more, I think, than Tom Mitchell. Not much anyway. Um, and then Ollie Wines, again, in a similar bracket with Bontempelli price-wise, 
had a nice score on the weekend. He's starting to find his mojo after a bit of a roller coaster beginning. I put it to the Twitter people uh, and the sports by fans earlier, but out of those three, who do you reckon will score the most points for the rest of the season? You got Bont, Wines, and Tom Mitchell. All the different buy rounds. So it'll be interesting to see. That might dictate a bit for coaches, but as a pure player, who would you back in? I'd be pretty confident that Ollie Wines would would get that. Um, mm. It was great last year, and I've sort of looked at him all year. It's not quite lined up, and obviously the buys, but I'll try and probably grab him off his buy um, or something very similar, depending on, on how the prices all work out. I think he's unequivocally out of those three. I mean, obviously Mitchell, I would say Bont's probably the lowest. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, although the forward thing is is serious huge um, very handy if i didn't have a full forward line i'd probably look at him but um yeah mitchell like we say if you he could revert to norm and go back to his 130s but i do you know it's just a weird there's some weird stuff happening at hawthorne with old sam mitchell and yeah. um the rest of the crew so i'm just hesitant on that like i say i'm going to watch for a week at least so yeah why? i get that i because i'm in the position obviously where I'm potentially trading for Mitchell, but I could possibly go for a Wines or even Bont. Doesn't really screw my buy structure over too much. I'm pretty close to 10, 10, 10 across the board. And I think I've only got Sam Skinner and O'Driscoll who'll go this week as my non-playing rooks. So I'm pretty balanced. I got a lot of Bulldogs and with Luke Parker, around 13 players in my forward line, which kind of scares me a bit off Bont, but, you know, once round 13's in the books, then it actually it genuinely doesn't matter for the rest of the year. So, yeah, I can see the appeal in going for Bont. He'll be one of the most popular traded in blokes this week, but I'm going to wait uh, potentially to jump on him, mainly because as well, even though he is a shoe-in four-forward status, if for whatever, like, quirky reason he doesn't get it, I wouldn't really want him chewing up a midfield spot until round 18 wines. Yeah, sure. He can sit there. Same with Tommy Mitchell. He can go up to like Callum Mills or Clayton Oliver. It's not that huge a stepping stone if you really want, but yeah, the bond, I reckon it's worth to at least pump the brakes on slightly. Early on board, mate. Uh, Do you hear the sad, devastating news? Rory Thompson, uh, as we're about to go on the air, I'm just uh, visiting the AFL page to confirm the fella has hurt his knee. So he's, Played three straight games after, what, like three years almost out of footy. I think 2019 was his last game. Uh, so there'll be a couple of coaches with him sitting on the bench, including uh, one, Quis Blorken. So, yep. yeah, quick uh, quick prayers out for Rory Thompson. Uh, did you say you're going to trade out Nick Martin this week? That's what you're thinking? Probably. Yeah, I feel like he's sort of – you never know. He might – you know, get back to his average, but I feel like him and Dacos are, are ready to roll. Whereas the thing about Dacos is I'll, I'll probably need to trade him off my buy just because of how I'm a bit low on 14s. Yeah. Um, but Nicky Martin, round 12, got too many of them. So it's an opportunity to go to a, you know, a top, a premium kind of midfield option roughly. Um, yep. So I think I'll take it. And he's, you know, There'll be a lot of coaches that'll want to keep him and play him in the back two buy rounds, but he's done his job. He's like 630K. It's very easy to make a move from him to Tom Mitchell and not hamstring yourself or to a Wines or someone. Or you could even go up mm. to a big dog if you're able to 
swing the cash. Uh, before we transition into a bit of basketball stuff, while we're talking about Nick Dacos and Nick Martin, uh, I want to touch on the rising star race. There's been a lot talked about it in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, those two are right amongst the contenders. Jason Horn Francis, you could throw in the conversation, but Jai Newcomb of the Hawks is the one who's kind of stolen the headlines. Moving forward, this is projecting for the rest of the season. Dacos, uh, sorry, Newcomb is now the favourite by a lot of betting markets. He got his uh, nomination, I think, against Geelong in that Easter Monday game. So he's right up there and it seems like it's his award to lose. But do you reckon he can hold on to it projecting for the rest of the season? Or one of those other blokes like Dacos, Martin, Horn Francis or someone chase him down? I think I'd roll with Newcomb. Um, I just feel like Nick Martin and Dacos have sort of, you know, lost a bit of steam, bit of momentum. Um, and it it's always tricky if you get a bit right of steam, and, bit of Jake Steen. Yeah, a bit of Jake Steen. Um, if you if you get the early noms, it's hard to keep the buzz, you know. Like I feel yeah. like we see this in a lot of these races, like MVP, you you come out the they get like everyone had Steph Curry as a lock-in, you know, after the first True. 20 games. But you, f- you very quickly forget so it's kind of a recency bias. So I reckon uh, the role he's playing, the way he's playing, I'd pick Newcomb. And I think he would deserve it too. Can't really argue. I think for me, the top three would probably be those blokes I mentioned, Newcomb at the top. Dacos second. I reckon he's been more consistent than Martin, even though Nick Martin started the year on fire with that, what, 5 and 28 or whatever he had. So... Yeah, that'll be an intriguing race. Uh, there's a couple of other players who are still out there, with some cash cows as well, who haven't yet got a nomination. So watch this space. Might be uh, time for a young docker like Neil Erasmus to uh, bob up. Who knows? Okay. Uh, do you get to watch game four of the Boston Celtics Miami Heat this morning? No, I didn't watch it. Um, just so I must admit, I'm not that interested in basketball right now. Um, now there's no nuggies, and now that uh, it's not the finals yet, um, and like we sort of said, more interested in the West West finals at the moment. Mm. Yeah, finals at the moment. So I'm just looking at the score now, and obviously the big C's got up uh, on their they home. They sure deck. did. It was. Uh, so. <laughs> I got to watch this game. Very rare opportunity, but. I tell you what, I didn't really pay much attention after about halfway through the second quarter. Uh, mm. Miami just could not buy a bucket to start the game. I think they went on a eighteen to one run. The Celtics did to start the contest. Some bullshit like that. They shot one of fifteen. They had eleven points in the first quarter. This is Miami, obviously, and then it was just you know a non-contest from there. It's been a bloody weird, weird series. Like we're locked at two apiece, which. I think it's fair and where we probably should be sitting after four games, but most of them have been blowouts. There's been like serious momentum swings. I don't think any teams won back-to-back games actually now that I'm spitballing, but I was big on Boston going into this series. I thought that they were the better side. Miami now probably looks a little bit smarter and maybe a bit tougher, but I still think going head to head, this should be a pretty interesting clash over the next three games. And I still think that the Celtics will pull it out, but, Where's your uh, allegiance lying? Are you backing in Boston or going to pivot? I'm finding myself wanting Miami to win. Don't know why. Um, I still think I think Miami might still get it done. And, and just because they've been this weird team all season, 
you know, this is nothing new from them. They'll go on some weird runs, whereas Boston's been hot and they've sort of finished the, the year strong. I just feel like they might start to peter out, whereas Miami's sort of been here before. I think Jimmy's the ultimate, I know he didn't play well today, but, you know, ultimate competitor. He's going to, he will come out and win game five. Like, put that down as a Miami win because Jimmy's not going to take it to the bank, let anything else happen. Yeah. Yeah. You can take it to the bank. Um, so I, I think Miami wins. I think whoever wins this next game obviously wins it. Um, and I think it's going to be Miami. I just would like to see them in the finals more. Mm, who would I like to see in the finals? More? I think I'd rather see Boston and maybe that's just because we had Miami not too long ago, but mm. You know, it's someone new, but Boston have been in the mix for a while now, for probably four or five years since they drafted good old Jason. But I don't know. I could, I could definitely see either team getting there and giving, uh, assumably, the Golden State Warriors a run for their money. But the play of Victor Oladipo has been pretty interesting the last couple of games as well. I mean, there was periods of time when I was watching the highlights and bits and pieces where he couldn't buy a bucket, but. He actually had more points today than the entire Miami Heat starting lineup. So he had 23 and the rest of the Heat lineup had uh, 18, which is ridiculous. Never happened in playoff history before. Some of the bench outscoring the entire starting lineup. You can you can uh, chew on that for your useless sports by Fry stat. And if he can provide, you know, he's not going to have 23 off the bench in every game, but if he can provide a spark of offense, I talked about, in the Dallas Phoenix series, how I thought Spencer Dinwiddie could be like the X factor over the last few games. It's very similar role and very similar scoring punch that I could see Depot providing. Bam out of bio and Jimmy, like you said, didn't play great, but no one from Miami did. So expect them to bounce back. But for Miami to, if they're going to pull this off, they really got to get a bit more scoring punch from someone else other than Jimmy Butler. And it might come from Victor Oladipo. Well, yeah, I guess the, the one thing to think about with Depot is he's not a scorer. He's actually a defender, and he's a great mm. defender. I think last game he had four steals. So that's where he, you get the most benefit from him. Um, <clears throat> I would expect – who's the other bloke on their bench? Um, well, it's probably Tyler Hero. He was out today, but I'm sure yeah, right, Hero. he'd be the other one. Yeah. Duncan Robertson, for I, what it's worth, uh, hit a couple threes late in the contest, started to get going, but – he looked average for the rest of the series so far. I would expect Hero to be the bench scorer and Oladipo to just give you whatever, but like absolutely play great defense on Jalen Brown or probably couldn't get up to Tatum, but lock someone else down and just get lots of those lane steals, like shooting a lane. So yeah, that's kind of what I think about Depot. Yeah, he has been playing that defensive role and doing it pretty well. But it was interesting to just kind of watch him today. There was a lot of time where he was just attacking the rack, looked like a version of Indiana Oladipo. So I don't think we're going to get Indiana Oladipo for game five, six, and seven. But give me a prediction. Who wins in how many? So you reckon Miami takes game five and then six? Or are we going the distance? Um, Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, it's a bit of a flip of a coin, really. I will mm. say, I'll say Miami get it done in six from here. Well, I will go the exact opposite, and I'll say if Marcus Smart plays, I think Boston will win in six. I hope 
Okay. We're both wrong and we get seven, but game sevens haven't exactly been leading to fantastic games. There's been so many like player absences throughout these series as well. Like we saw bloody, um, like I said, Hero missed, Horford's missed a bit of time, Smart's been out, bloody Jimmy Butler got hurt as well. So it's wacky. It's been all over the shop. Uh, but the Miami, uh, sorry, the Golden State and Dallas series, that uh, that seems to be a wrap. Golden State are up 3-0. Uh, there was a bit of a stretch where I thought Dallas were going to come back. I can't remember if it was game two or three. They were looking lively, but Golden State's still pretty fucking good. Yeah, yeah. And they're just their system defense is phenomenal and what Draymond Green does for them sort of taken away a few of those strengths that the Mavs have had throughout the playoffs and made them look really good. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think – oh, I kind of think the Mavs might get this one just to sort of make it a bit respectable. But, uh, yeah, I think it's what, – what is it? It's 3-0 right now? Yeah, it's in Dallas on its earth, but, yeah, yeah. 3-0. Yeah, I think, I think it'll be a 4-1 a sort of series. Yeah, no one comes back from 3-0, but – you know, I think they'll at least make something happen and make it a little bit of a. It's a I think their season's a win already, regardless. But yeah, that's I fair. think uh, I think they'll. You'd want to get one. Just for a bit of yeah, I can't remember the word you used, but a bit of respect. Basically, you can't yeah, go exactly. can't lose the West Finals four 0 That'd be a bit of a bummer. Uh, mm. Luca is actually averaging the most points per game out of anyone in the conference finals that's no huge surprise bloke's been shouldering most of the work for the mavericks the entire year but without another running mate as a star it seems like they're going to be destined to have their ceiling at this point i don't know if they can contend with a top for a title with the roster they got i don't think uh, they're going to be the first team either to come back from 3-0 down so you're mark cuban we're, we've been talking hypotheticals. We've been talking some trades. I'm just going to throw a couple of names out here. You tell me if any of them interest you as a target for the Dallas Mavericks. So oh, we yeah. got got blokes like uh, Miles Turner potentially on the block. He could be a nice spot up three slash rim protector. If you want to uh, take away a bit of the three point shooting and add more defense, you might try and swing a move for someone like Rudy Gobert. Doesn't have the greatest playoff resume, but maybe next to Luca. He can just emerge as a legendary lob threat and lock down the paint. And then there's another bloke who they just took care of uh, in the form of DeAndre Ayton, who seems like he's going to demand max money. And I don't know if Dallas would even want to entertain paying him. But out of those three, if you had to, let's say you give up Tim Hardaway, Dwight Powell, and I don't know, another center that they've got on the roster at a pick or two to pull off a move for one of those two. And granted, Turner would probably be worth less. So you might be able to keep more assets. But which one out of that trio would you much prefer to see running with Luca? I must admit, I'm not as um, pessimistic on the the Mavs' chances to win with the roster that they've got. And I don't think it's going to happen this year. Mm. But I actually think if we've seen anything throughout Luca's career, it's that he probably needs to be the the one star. He's so ball dominant. He sets up so much of the offense um, and he, other than Jokic, he must be about the highest usage player in the league. It might be him and Trey Young, um, we'll but that. I would, I would probably pick Luca late in this season. So I think what Luca really needs is a bunch of really good 
players around him without necessarily getting stars. Um, so with that in mind, I reckon Miles Turner probably fits that mould the best. But I actually, I mean, of course, would go Rudy Gobert because he's a low usage, high field goal, um, high impact defensive player um, that would fit, I think, quite well and, and offer that lob threat. I mean, they're all lob threats. Um, but Rudy's the best of the bunch. He's got that. He's got the resume behind him. Aiton doesn't quite, and I'm starting to worry about Aiton's character um, mm. after that game seven meltdown. And it seems like he's kind of done similar things throughout his career. So obviously, by a long way, it's Rudy Gobert for me. Then probably Turner. Then probably Aiton. But I do actually think, with a few small tweaks, rather than going out and trying to land the you know the knockout punch i think the mavs can continue to contend for the next 10 years and i think they should be looking at this with a with a 10-year plan built around luca um and obviously try and win with him now because their windows probably starting to open but i don't know if a big flashy move is what's required i think smart like diligent moves is, is going to work a lot better and Keep it. Keep in mind that Luca needs the ball a lot, um, and I think Dinwiddie and Brunson actually do a really good job of offering that scoring side of things with the auxiliary shooters like Bullock and Hardaway. Has he even been playing Hardaway? No, nah, he's been banged up. Nah. Yeah. So you get those guys back. They hit their shots. Kleber's been overachieving, shooting well. Bertans can shoot. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it, you need a big move, but I'd go go bear out of those three. You actually raise a pretty good point there with the fact that Dallas probably doesn't need to overhaul their roster to support a Luca title run. He is obviously arguably with uh, Giannis, one of the most like heliocentric players in the league and everything starts and stops with Luca. And you, again, make he a good is point. The most yeah. Luca, you reckon? Yeah. 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 yeah, absolutely. yeah. I'd, I'd probably agree with that. He, for what it's worth, has the highest usage rate in the playoffs and throughout the regular season, it was second only to Joel Embiid. So Dallas Mavericks like to lose, uh, use Luka Doncic. I think Turner probably offers the potentially best upside because you might be able to get him for cheaper than someone like Gobert or Aiton. But you're right. I think Brunson, they got to keep him. they got to re-sign him for whatever it costs them. Spencer Dinwiddie, he probably doesn't have too many more serious runs left in him, but I don't know what his contract deal is. I may as well hold on to him. So you probably only really need an upgrade in one of those big positions, someone to board, someone to maybe be a bit of a lob threat catcher. So yeah, I don't hate the idea of adding Turner or Gobert. You're right. The DeAndre Ayton one does concern me a little bit, not even really with his character, but more, do you want to pay like a max, max contract and then have Luca on a max max contract as well. It financially hamstrings you quite a bit. Go Bears probably close to it, but that might be why you go down a cheaper route for uh, a starting center. You made a very good point with regards to Luca contending for the next decade or so. And I saw someone pose a very similar question regarding Jason Tatum as well. So get a pick out of those two because we might probably not given the way that Golden State's looking, but we might see them match up in this year's finals. And if it doesn't happen this year, might happen as soon as next year. So over the rest of the 20s, let's say, so that's about an eight-year window, they'll both be around the age of 30 when that hits. Who do you reckon 
has a greater chance of winning more championships? Is it Luca or is it the Boston slash Jason Tatum nucleus? Um, I think Luca's going to be by far the better player. I agree. He is already and will continue. Um, but Boston have a little bit more going on. Um, and I know, I know a lot of players kind of dislike um, Mark Cuban as well. Uh, so I would back the Celtics to win more chips in the next eight years. But I think anyone with a brain would choose to go with Luca. So that's a tricky one, um, but I, I feel like, I don't know, but the Dallas, the Mavs are sort of like a win one and wait. Well, they've only won one, right? But yeah, yeah, it feels like that's how they kind of go about their business. Whereas the Celtics build and will continue to build and they've got Brad Stevens and yada, yada, yada. I think the dynastic factor for Boston probably gets them a bit over the line. Like if you were just talking, putting the two players Head to head, you're right. It would be Luca. You could probably better poised asking like Luca or Giannis, but we'll save that one uh, mm. for a later day. Luca and Giannis, two prized uh, players. You only get these prized players usually by winning the draft lottery. And uh, as we saw last week, the Orlando Magic took out the number one pick. First time they've had it since I'm pretty sure it was the Shaq pick because they had Penny the year before. Does that sound right? Or maybe the year sounds after. Right. Yeah, yeah, it sounds anyway, right. Anyway, they've been through a lot of torment and a lot of shit. It was nice to see. Oh, wasn't Dwight? Dwight number one? Oh, of course. Dwight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yep. See, this is why uh this is why I need a co-host. So yes, obviously Dwight Howard in 2004 was the last time Orlando had the number one overall pick, but they might draft another impressive franchise caliber big man this year uh who were you happiest for come lottery night we saw the pistons move back a couple of spots okay c moved up kings moved up a bit who do you think were the big winners i was i mean we sort of talked about it last week i think i we orlando was the team that needed to win it the most yeah thank god for them they did um so i would go orlando i actually haven't looked at the rest of other than the top four how that worked out didn't sack move up yeah, it pretty much held majority to form. I think the second half of the lottery didn't move at all. Sacramento went from about seven to four. So that pushed a few other teams like the Pacers, Portland, down a smidge. And then Detroit were the only other ones to fall. They fell back a couple of spots while obviously Orlando and OKC moved up. Have you uh, I, I, done much? I'll go on, sorry. I was going to say, I think that does a lot for Sacramento where, you know, mm. we were, probably everyone was worried about what their direction is, but I think um, Fox is probably still young enough that waiting an extra year or two for whoever they select with number four or whatever it was, yep. that sort of has defined their direction a little bit more, it seems like, whereas they were just blown in the wind, sort of Katy Perry plastic bag in the wind style. Yeah, I think the draft kind of... <laughs> a lot of people think is a three-player draft. You've got the likes of Chet Holmgren, who's the lanky bloke out of Gonzaga. You've got Jabari Smith, who I think is Jabari Smith Jr., technically. He's like an A-grade version of Rashad Lewis, I would say, like a stretch four, could, could average 20 points almost as soon as his rookie year. And then the third bloke is Paolo Banquero, who I was really high on going into the 
college season. And I kind of comped him a bit to Mello, but he's not as polished offensively. He's a bit, still has a few tweaks in his jump shot to fix and things like that. So those are the trio of big men in quotation marks that a lot of people think will go one, two, three in any particular order. So the draft in a roundabout way does kind of start with the Sacramento Kings. They could go down the route of drafting someone like Jaden Ivey, who is pretty impressive at Purdue this year. He's probably the best guard, or I think the guard that's got the most star potential. Someone like Shadon Sharp is another guy who was meant to go to Kentucky, but he's young as well. He could be another potential pick. But if they nail whoever this selection is, whether they go for a wing or a power forward and play as a bonus at the five or whatever they choose to do, if this can be, you know, not a the third member of a big three, but if they can emerge to be a really talented player, Sacramento might finally, dare I say it, be uh, on the up. Yeah, and, and I guess the other thing is, if one of those three does slide, then they'll be True. stoked as well. Yeah, um, they're in the perfect Which could happen, you know, like it does seem like, for in my mind, it seems like the top two is like um, with Jalen and Chet, but yeah. then maybe Paolo or whatever his name is slides a little and now that what? might just make it nice and nice and easy for him. So that would be nice for Sacramento to actually hit on one of these picks. I think. Uh, I'll drop a mock draft that top you're right. The top spot probably will toggle and change a bit between Chet and Jabari. Originally I said that Jabari would go number one to Orlando. There's a bit of buzz around Chet being the guy on their board. So we're only, we're less than a month away from the draft. So these rumors and all this stuff's going to ramp up. There's another bloke. uh, I'm pretty sure his name's Sochan, Sochan, Jeremy Sochan, Sochan. He's out of Baylor. He's a forward. He's, He's not as good defensively as Herb Jones, but I expect wouldn't be surprised if he like came in in the right situation, especially if he landed on like the Spurs or something. Came in and was like an instant difference maker, and people are like, "Oh, who the fuck is this bloke drafted at eleventh? He probably should have gone third. So there's another uh, hmm. another name to remember. Ear to the ground. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right, it's time. The moment a lot of sports be fans have been waiting for. Uh, I'm zero and two in the Mount Rushmore drafts so far, but fortune's about to flip. I can feel it. It is my time. Uh, today, we are going to be selecting our own collection, our own four best NBA players to never win a championship. There's a lot of big names on this list, and it's a topic that's debated pretty heavily throughout uh, NBA fandom circles, who was the best player who never won a championship. And you've been kind to uh, give me the first overall selection after uh, wiping the floor with me in two consecutive uh, counts. So I'm not going to waste any time. I'm going to pick Carl Malone first. I think you have to, regardless of the fact that he didn't get it done in the playoffs, he's probably the most accomplished player on this list, like dual MVP. Where's he now on the scoring? Is he still third or second? Uh, maybe LeBron passed him. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, so but yeah, you know, one of the best scorers in NBA history. He's arguably one of the greatest power forwards to ever play the game as well. So I think I've got to uh, slot in the mailman as my first overall pick. That's good. I thought you would do that. And I've prepared a contingency plan. Um, and the way I'm going to attack this uh, this list or this Rushmore is I'm going to pick the 
the guys who I think are actually the best players to never win it, not necessarily the best um, careers. Yeah. Okay. Um, so with that said, number one, and this is going to look bloody good on Instagram, I'm going to pick Alan Iverson just because yeah, okay. he's, he's the people's champ, one of the most dynamic scorers ever, pound for pound, the greatest player to ever play. Um, gave us like some of the most iconic highlights in NBA history. And just is just awesome. And, you know, like the team's going to be pretty laid back. We're not going to be practicing. We're just going to be out here just chilling, you know, chilling and smoking. And have you seen that um, Rushmore experience? Yeah. Have you seen that video of him at at a Charlotte game? And he's just absolutely cooked on the sidelines. (laughs) And the lady's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I live here. I love these boys. Like he's just (laughs) so high. So there's going to be plenty of that happening on the, uh, the JLo uh, Mount Rushmore. I did toy with the idea of picking a bit more flash for my first pick. I'm kind of going with a similar vein, the best players ever. But if you stack, oh, go on. I just have a question: um, current players or no? Oh, to be honest, I don't think I draft any. But yeah, you can have current players. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you could. I think I've said this to you, like you might make the argument that LeBron is, has the greatest basketball career of all time and Jordan was the best player. So I'm still got player in mind. You could also make the argument that Iverson was a better player than Carl Malone, but he was pretty fucking good. So I'm not too yeah, happy yeah. bagging the big man, but that's, uh, hasn't thrown a spanner in the works. I don't want to, uh, don't want to raise any alarm bells three picks into the draft, but I was kind of hoping you drafted this bloke. Then again, now that he's still here, I think I have to take Charles Barkley because even though these two were probably stars when we weren't watching a ton of the league and a lot of people who are voting on this Instagram graphic might not know of Charles Barkley's dominance. Uh, He's also the past MVP lost to MJ in the finals uh, probably like a 12-time All-Star. That sounds believable off the top of my head. And he was pretty unlucky not to win one, like bounced around a couple of different teams, had a few cracks at it. So I'm going to go down the route of picking Charles Barkley. Okay. All right. Well, you know, we weren't around to watch much Chuck or Mailman, and we were only really starting when AI got into it. I can guarantee absolutely no one on the Sports by Fry Instagram would have seen this guy play, but I just know from what every legend has ever talked about is is how good this bloke was. He was like the original high flying player. And on oh, if, if yeah. you go and sort of Google this list, there's a lot of people who say he's the number one player to never win a ring. And I'm going to go with Elgin Baylor. And I know that might hurt my Instagram chances a little bit, but I like what it does for my mix. I like what it does for my mix. And you know, this guy's you could definitely make the case that he's a top 10 player of all time if you wanted to. And that, to be honest, it might be the rings that sort of holds him out of that conversation. So I'm going to roll with uh, my man, Elgin Baylor, just because I, I can't wait to see him in his cool blue, um, whatever they were called before the, blue and the, white Los Angeles. the blue one. Yeah. Yeah. Elgin, my man, make Elgin. Sh- make sure you get a, like a nice dunking <laughs> photo of him. I'll get one of him just holding the ball in like the typical 60s pose, 
wearing that jersey just <laughs> there's a lot of those yeah thanks uh i think he's still got the record for the most points scored in an nba finals game with 61 uh off the top of the dome yeah. that's how much uh, and isn't he like maybe the the highest scoring like finals player ever or something like if you look something on like total that. points he's just got some ridiculous stats um and he was just an unbelievable player so hopefully yeah. hopefully there's enough fans out there who understand Elgin's greatness. If you're not well traversed in the Elgin Baylor uh, history, he also, I'm pretty sure there was a year that he went to uh, the army, like served as a member of the American army. And then in his off time would like drive back, play for the Lakers and still hang like 45 on Bill Russell and all these others. So yeah, he was a walking bucket. He deserves mention. Uh, yeah, don't know how well it's going to go on the graphic, but you know, Alan Iverson will definitely soften that blow. And you've put me in a uh, an interesting predicament because there's a bloke here that I want to draft who is arguably my favourite player of all time. But I think I'm going to draft Camelo Anthony now because he deserves wow. a ring. Yep, and he he is. Uh, one of the greatest scorers of our generation. He's uh, obviously been on a lot of teams that haven't exactly been in the mix. The Amari Stoudemire Knicks come to mind. The Allen Iverson Nuggets also come to mind. But I think Mallow... Fucked up here. You oh, you reckon? Up. Yeah, no, okay. carry on. But that's he wasn't even on my list. Yeah, nah. I pick him Mellow. Okay, fair enough. And you, I've got no shortage of Mellow love. Obviously, a Nuggets fan sort of left me high and dry, but um, I can really fully appreciate how great Mello was. But boy, have you left some blokes on the table? I can't believe you didn't go Reggie just then, like that. Yeah, I that's I did think about him. I did think about him clearly, but no, nah, I'm picking Mello as like a a player for his generation. I feel like he could. He could make a, the case as like perhaps the most underrated star of his generation. Now he's like a yeah. rated, but you know, like the dude won a scoring title. He was like a walking 30 points for the back half of his Nuggets career and most of his Knicks tenure. He died off a bit in the last four or five years, but he's what ninth, 10th all time for scoring. So you're right. There are still some very lofty names on this list. And there's two that I'm looking at um, that I could have picked, including Reggie ahead of Mello, but, I just, just want Carmelo Anthony on the graphic. Right. I'm going to go another graphic superstar. Um, and this guy's one of my favorites of all time. Probably arguably like a almost in most people's top tens favorite players um, just because of, of how amazing he was to watch. Mr. 13 points in 33 seconds. Mm-hmm. I'm going T-Mac. I'm going T-Mac. Kobe said he's the hardest player he's ever had to guard. Um he just had those knee issues that sort of plagued him and maybe made a weird choice going and play with Yao, but T-Mac was unbelievable in his prime, his magic days, winning all the scoring uh, championships, doing crazy stuff for the Rockets. And I just, I wouldn't, it wouldn't feel right, even though I think there's probably better players on the list who actually get left off the list, but I got to go with Tracy McGrady. Just, he's going to look so good on a yeah. Instagram graphic. Oh, I'll find a nice dunk of T-Max to put up. I might even get the Sean Bradley one up. But uh, yeah, look, I tell you what, we could have probably drafted two of these Mount Rushmores. I was looking through mm-hmm. the list and I was like, oh man, like 
I don't think I'm going to be able to draft T-Mac. He probably deserves some mention. Vince Carter, I also saw mm-hmm. his name bob up. Uh, there's a couple of other active players that you could throw a throw into the mix. And now I've got a very, very tough pick on my hands. So I've got Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, and Carmelo Anthony. And I think I'm now going to pivot towards a guard. Now, there's a couple of different guards that you can make the case for. Uh, and of this trio, there's one of them who stands out from a, a legacy standpoint, you could say. Uh, but I'm not picking him. There's oh. another one who is a dual MVP. And I'm going to pick him over uh, okay. some of the other field. Okay. I'm going to end my draft with Steve Nash. Knowing full well that I had the opportunity to pair Malone and Stockton on this Mount Rushmore, that'll uh, mm. that does hurt. I also uh, had my eyes and heart set on my last pick being Chris Paul, but with Steve Nash still on the board, I think I'm going to go down that route. That's well done. He was he was. If I'm looking at my list chronologically, he was the man who was highest still left. And now, uh, you know, this is just so open for me now. You know, so, do I go this? I think there's probably three that stand out who are still around. I'm just not going to pick Chris Paul. Um, we'll make it a not current players yeah. or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, oh, Melo's still playing. Oh, well, anyway. Um, see, you think Melo's had a better career than Chris Paul? I would have said no. Yeah. In hindsight, probably not. But I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know why I, I could have picked Melo probably with my last pick. But yeah, as I dug into it a bit more, I saw his name missing from a few of these lists. And I was looking into some of the stats and the numbers of it all. And you know me, love a box score review. Um, yeah. So that probably swayed it a bit more in Melo's favour. But yeah, if I want someone to win me a ring or like who's going to have a better chance, you'd probably have a better chance building a team around Chris Paul. There's another bloke whose name uh, has not come up yet at all, but I'll be interested to see if he slips through the cracks. So, all right, I'm going to... I, I know it's between two players, so I'll honourable mention a few blokes before I make the pick. Let it fly. Um, big shout out to Alex English, who was just it, it's the leading scorer of the 80s and that just never gets talked about enough didn't get close to winning a chip pistol pete maravich mm. bit of like a bit of like an iconic sort of culture shifting player and also had like a ridiculous college career so that's something to keep in mind dominique bit of a culture shifter too see uh, when you started CP3. to say high flyer i thought that's who you might be picking and i was like oh this is early for yeah. dominique but i can i can yeah, see a little it. Bit i can kind of see it yeah, I mean, he was dominant. Chris Paul's not going to get a call up for me. And I, oh man, it pains me to leave this bloke off the list, but Reggie's not getting picked, yeah, which I is know. just, it. I feel yeah. like he would almost look the best on a graphic, if I'm being honest, and I'm kind of keeping that in <laughs> mind. But for me, it's between Pat Ewing and John Stockton. Yep. And I feel like I'm going to go Stockton. I know I've got, got AI. T-Mac and Elgin don't really have any bigs, but it's a Mount Rushmore. It's not a starting lineup. It's not a team. So yeah, I'm exactly. going to go with Stockton. I feel like Ewing was just so unlucky to run into Michael time after time after time. And maybe that sort of 
maybe he is the best player to never win a ring. You could honestly make the case for him. He was so good. But I'm going to go Stockton. I'm going to go his career statistics. Plus, he was a phenomenal defender. Could just get everything done. And let's be honest, Carl Malone doesn't have the success that he had without Johnny Stockton. So That's very true. Yeah. Give me yeah. some Stockton. Yeah. Those are yeah. two. Those are two good lists. Those are two tough lists. And yeah, I mean, they are. This is the closest it's been. The Mount Rushmore of the leftovers. We've got Pat Ewing, Reggie Miller, Chris Paul, and Dominique. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bloody good. Yeah, like there's some there's some big names that got left off this list, but that's good. We want to uh, want to stir up a bit of debate. We might have to uh, with our we're going to alternate between basketball and footy each week when we make these Mount Rushmores. We might have to keep. Uh, picking categories that have a bit more of an open field, a bit more uh, variety in our selections. Yeah, you, you can ask a nice Instagram poll. Who did I, who should have been on this that got left off? Yeah, fuck Chris Paul. Why did Fry? Why did Fry pick Mello over Reggie Miller? And Pat yeah, good question. Yeah, no, I'm I think not I'd unhappy. Take Reggie over Mello. Yeah, fair not enough. Un, not unhappy. Uh, tight one. We'll have to uh, check back in next week and see how the boys are looking and what the sportsby fans uh, reckon. So this time yeah, next I, week. I, I feel like you got that one. I needed to get one up for the brand. So thank, thanks for uh, drafting Elgin Baylor so that my graphic looks a, a little bit nicer. But you never know. You never know. Hopefully people know. Hopefully enough people know. Put some respect on Elgin Baylor's name. Seriously. All right. Kusplorkin uh, trades this week as of, uh, what is it, Tuesday, Arvo? Um. De Koning and Nick Martin to Sarong and someone, but I don't know. Oh, you flick it I out. Really don't know. Sam DK. Yeah, I think so. You know, I just need a bit of money. Like I can't, if a, if there's a ruck that gets named, I'll get rid of Hugh Dixon. But um, at this point, it's probably De Koning or maybe not. Maybe I probably don't need that much money if I'm going to go to Sarong. Um, so maybe I yeah. could go someone cheaper, but. We shall just say uh, that is absolutely not a lock. That's what yeah, I'll I think. You. Thursday night will probably throw all these plans into flux. I think I'm going to bite the bullet on Tom Mitchell. Doesn't hamstring my buyers too much. And if I, Elijah Hollands might make his debut, that'd be nice for the Suns. If he does, uh, great. I'll jump on him. If not, then I'll probably get one of the Bulldogs defenders, most likely Cleary. And that'll give me exactly 10, 10, 10 across the board for each buy structure. So. Uh, good luck to the fantasy coaches as round 11 approaches. Thanks for jumping on the airwaves once again, JLo. We'll uh, do All this right. again next week. Let's do it.